to truly believe in the magic. How's it going, Magic fans? And welcome to episode 148 of Let's Talk Magic. On today's episode, we're going to be talking the offense in Orlando. We're going to be talking about trade whiffs. We're going to reflect on our recent games. And we'll also be joined by the main real estate holder on Jalen Suggs Island, Mr. Dylan Holden, who is one of our Patreon members. Today's episode is brought to you in association with attractiontickets.com. I did a Paul trip up there. Uh, The the, the UK's (laughs) leading supplier of attraction tickets, providing everything you could want when visiting Orlando. This includes tickets to Disney, to Universal, which is my favorite, SeaWorld, theme parks, hotels. Crucially, they sell magic tickets at highly competitive prices. So when you're planning your next holiday to Orlando from the UK, do check out attractiontickets.com. Use the links on our website, social media, and in podcast descriptions below to purchase all of these tickets, whether it's for theme parks, games, shows, other sporting events. And at present, there are multiple Black Friday deals available, including 10% off all U.S. hotels and tickets. You can visit also letstalkmagic.com, where you will find our affiliate links for the NBA store and fanatics and where you'll find any discount codes we have available at the time. Just like the song says, there's just the two of us and we can make it if we try. Um, I'm joined by Mr. Mikey Clark looking resplendent there in what looks to be an authentic blue stars Jersey. Mikey, how are we doing? I'm doing well, mate. Um, I'm uh, loving life this week. Three and one. I, I'm not going to brag about it from the top, but I am uh, about getting the Bucks prediction right last week. Um, I'll send him Paul, bless him. Hopefully he feels better soon. Yeah. That's the reason he's not with us tonight. But um, no, I was messaging him after that second Bulls win last night. Um, maybe I'm just getting a bit too excited. I don't know. But I said to him, I think there is a possibility that the Magic might make the finals in the next three years. Yeah. We could be one of those teams that just out of nowhere. I just see... You just vision where this team's going, mm-hmm. um, and you think of all the things, all the area, and we'll get into this in a minute. But you think of all the areas the Magic have got a lot of improving to do. Like if they get a couple of those things right, they are not far away from being really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm just loving life, mate. I mm-hmm. think three and one, seven and five. I know it's only seven and five, um, and we got the standings to climb. There's a long way to go. There's a lot of things to 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 change yet, but um, yeah, I, we're in a really really good place for me. How about you? How's your week been? It's been good, mate. When you think about them from a magic perspective, um, I haven't thought about the finals bit, but I think on the defense, I was probably being a bit too excited about that. But no, no, I just think you, you think back. The reason I said it, like you think to the, like the Atlanta Hawks, they got mm. Trey Young. It wasn't that long before they actually made a run to the conference finals. Yeah. And our ceiling is much, much higher than where the Atlanta Hawks were. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I think on the defensive end, we look like an elite team. I know that's why we're going to talk about the offensive end today, but defensively, mm-hmm. looking at that team, and I know we're going to talk about Jonathan Isaac in that second Chicago game, but when you're thinking about what GI's got and what Jalen Suggs has got on the defensive end and then what Paolo and Franz can do. And if we can get the offensive end right, the foundations are certainly there with the magic. And it's we're just all rooting for it. And I think we're probably all a little bit impatient now going to get past that hump. But I know it's only 12 games, but 
15 games into a season is when you start to think about things taking shape for me. Mm-hmm. And we're nearly there. And, you know, we're looking like being a 500 team, touch wood, which would be... A, I think we're better than yeah, a 500 team. 500 team's a playoff team, really. Yeah, well, it should be. You're in and, you're in and there and around, aren't you? But I think... I put this in our in our Twitter group earlier. We're we're doing this, and we're missing three starters. Mm-hmm. Like you think of how good defensively we've been this week, apart from the fourth quarter against the Nets, but that was more offense as well. But mm. um, there's just there's just so much to like, and there's, and there's so much more room to grow. Um, we we were talking on the phone yesterday, weren't we, mm-hmm. before last night's game, and. We were saying there's like, it's funny that expectations there now that the Magic should be winning games or should be beating teams that on paper we look at and think, yeah, that that's one to mark down as a dub. But um, it's a nice place to be where we're getting frustrated about not playing well, throwing leads or losing games that we should be winning. But I've lost my trailer thought now, but <laughs> it's a different, it's, it's a different vibe, isn't it? It's a different vibe. I think the most important thing, and I think we've all got to remember, remind ourselves of this. And I think this is really important is let's say in five years time, we win the NBA finals, it might not happen. Who knows? But we've got to enjoy this moment now because this might be the last reiteration of this group this season like next year might look very different this team might not be the way it is now it might not be constructed like this next year and I think yeah it's easy to get frustrated and look at games and think yeah but like the last two games yeah they've they've blown leads and all of that but the the maturity and the poise and the clutchness that Paolo Franz and like Joe, Joe Ingalls, J.I. that have been playing with, I think this is something we've got to savour and really enjoy because people look at the heart and hustle year, like that was a special season. But this this is just as big. This mm-hmm. is like, this is just a stepping stone to where you think we're going to be in four or five years time, maybe even sooner than that, we don't know. But um, I think we just need to remind ourselves. Let's try not to get too frustrated. We're the third—is it third or fourth youngest team in the mm-hmm. NBA? But they don't play like that. No. They play like they've got older. They're older heads, aren't they? They're much more mature than than being that young. I think as well. I think if you were doing the eyesight test of impact on games, I think in the last, certainly the last two games, but probably the last four games. The last two games against the Bulls, I think we've seen what Joe Ingles brings. If you didn't mm-hmm. see it already, I think he's found himself. I think he's learning where the players are going to be now a little bit more, his teammates. And he's looked a lot more comfortable in the flow of the games for the Magic. And he's certainly in the second Bulls game. And I know we'll come on to this, but him coming into the game was where we really blew it open in the first half. It was because when Joe Ingles stepped in and spaced mm-hmm. the floor um, and he's he has looked more the part. Like Not that he was looking bad before, but I know there was different views on how he was doing. But I think if you did have that view, it's probably swung to Joe Ingles as being an asset in the last couple of games. Um, before we continue, Mike, I'm just going to give a shout out to our uh, Patreons, if that's okay. We do this every week, but these guys really help us support Let's Talk Magic. So 
we'd like to say thank you to Ollie Law, Gary Clark, Angus Craig, Dylan Holden, who's joining us, Alan Kane, Tom Sohn, Mark Joss, Sean Moore, Drum, Drummy Drum Drum, I think I've got that one right, Paolo and Franz Warmth, Liam Radbourne, Andy Lindley and Stuart Benzies. Um, thank you, everyone who supports the show. Thank you for the Patreons who are subscribing. If you're interested in joining these guys and joining our Patreon, we have three tiers available with varying benefits. So if you visit patreon.com, let's talk magic to join today or click on the Patreon link on our website, which is letstalkmagic.com. I know we've got into this a little bit, Mikey, already, um, but we've obviously played four games since the last uh, episode. Complete shellacking, I think Barack Obama would say, of the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, the wall up in Brooklyn was disappointing. Two nail-biters in Chicago were 7-5, seven, seven and five, which is 7th in the East, but were tied for 6th, really. As you've said, we've got some key players out, so Wendell's missing until possibly the new year. Markel Fultz mm. has been sitting out with knee issues. Jalen Suggs, crash helmet needed. Um, as has been said on commentary, but he's been banged up again. He missed the second of the Bulls games. But we have got to see Anthony Black come in. We've seen Gorga Patadze, I think, be impressive. I've really liked what mm-hmm. I've seen from Gorga. And uh, Gary Harris returned to start the duties on Friday night in the tournament win against the Bulls. But we will start with the Milwaukee Bucks game. Um, you predicted this, but we, we pounded the Bucks at the Amway. Um, we saw Yanis put up 35 points, 10 rebounds and 7 assists. But for me, it was the performance of Paolo Banquero with 26, 12 and 5. He matched Yanis for me. He went head to head. We saw Franz coming with 24. Got a great game from Jalen with 20. And Mo Wagner was huge off the bench as he has been all season with 19 points for the Magic. What was your views on the game that you predicted the outcome of, Mikey? I did. Um I said it last week, didn't I, about the barometer. Paolo and Franz play well. The Magic play well. And they both had 26 and 24 in this game. I think we did a good job of keeping the bucks off the free throw line. I know Yanis got there 12 times, but he's not the most efficient free throw shooter himself. Uh, We uh, out-rebounded them. Uh, They just played. They played with a lot more hustle. They played with a lot more belief than I think we have in previous years. What was it? A 14 game losing streak mm-hmm. that we finally snapped against them. Um, efficient from three, 38 and percent going 10 for 26 from the field. Uh, we've got to the line 35 times, which is a really good number for us. Um, I mean, I was, I, I predicted us to beat the bucks. I thought it was about time that we, we should snap that losing streak, but I wasn't expecting us to, to go out and in, and improve and create a lead like we did. And I think there was a lot of maturity. And, and this was one of those games where it was coming off the back of that disappointing loss to Dallas where we threw that 13-point halftime lead away. Mm. I watched it disappear. And we really struggled to stay stay with Dallas down the, down the stretch of that game. And they learnt this against Milwaukee. Like, we, we built the lead. I think they got the, the lead down to, was it 11? at one point in the fourth quarter, and then we pulled away and put the game away. Um, yeah, I, I thought we were, I thought it was a great performance. I really did. Um, J.I. On, on 
Yanis, I think I think he played really well against him. Batadze guarded him as well as you possibly can. I think he's been a really good rim deterrent as well. Um, yeah, an- another really good game by Joe Ingles. Uh, you mentioned him in the opening, but I think Joe Ingles, you said about his... Uh, He's looking more comfortable. I think he was more than anything. I think Joe Ingles is pretty comfortable with it as himself as a basketball player. But I think he's starting to understand now where Paolo likes his spots yep. and where Franz likes the ball. Um, he's intelligent enough that his passing is really, really good. He knows how to dictate the offense. Mm-hmm. And I think without Markel Fultz out there, I think Ingles has been really important. Um so I think it was just one of those games where we've talked about Joe Ingles being another coach on the floor. He might not be putting the stats up in, in games that, I mean, he went one of five against Milwaukee, mm-hmm. but he was still still had a positive plus minus in this game. And he has in a lot of minutes that he's played, but um, Anthony Black was big. Jalen Suggs had 20 piece as well. Just, just a really, really good confidence boost for this team. And, Obviously, they've kicked on and, and improved that this week as well. But, yeah, what what was your thoughts on that game? Well, the first one is I'm just laughing, thinking about more Wagner when Yanis uh, is at the free-throw line and he's just like, <laughs> tight looking at his one. <laughs> like, if, you, if you're ever going to just sum up more Wagner in a clip, I was like, that's it. Um, yeah. It was impressive. Like When Lillard was out, I think it gave us a lift before the game. And I know mm-hmm. people will say, oh, well, you didn't have Dame. But we came out firing like we had a point to prove and... It was one of those where obviously Paolo's, some would say it had a slow start of the season. And he, what really impressed me was how he took the challenge of Yanis. There was a lot of times yeah. where he was like picking up Yanis one-on-one and he held his own. And, you know, if we look back to the draft, the knock on Paolo was um, from some that what's he like as a defender? And we saw really yeah. in the summer that he, he stepped that up massively. Not that he was bad last season, because I don't think he was at all. Um, but I think that's the one area of his game where it's it's taken a leap in year two. Is mm-hmm. He's a better defender than he was in year one. And he, he took Yanis as a challenge. And there was times where they were playing one-on-one and Paolo was holding his own. And that's encouraging for me, because I think this season, people are obviously wise to Paolo and the doubling and tripling up. And the Bucks were one of the teams who were kind of like, yeah, we'll 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 just go one on one at times with Paolo, and he did the damage, and he held his own mm. against one of the top three players in the NBA, in Giannis. So that was my big takeaway. And then it was really again more Wagner, just what he's bringing us off the bench this season. Like I know Cole's vital to our bench unit, but I think more Wagner is has been massive for us this season off the bench, especially with the uh, injuries to Wendell. I thought he had a tremendous game. Um, so, so props to Moore. He's probably the, the Wagner brother that people talk a little bit less about, but I love him. I think he's great. Um, so it brings us to Brooklyn. Um, I'll be honest with you, Mikey. Uh, five minutes to go in this game, I just, I just switched it off. I went, I can't take anymore. I was that annoyed. Um, I was really, yeah. I was like, this is this is appalling. I was really, really angry with. Well, that. I wish I'd switched it off five minutes before the end. I actually was watching League Pass. And I don't know if anybody else has this problem. And you put the game on. Yeah. And I always try and avoid looking at the time on the video. Yeah. And I glanced and I was like, there's only like 15 minutes left. And then we were, what was it? Eight, po- I can't even remember now. Yeah. It's like <laughs> six days ago. We were 
we were it was down the stretch and it was one of those we were ch- it was one of the rare games where we were chasing a lead down yeah. the stretch yeah. and um I was like there's not enough time and then it basically Spencer didn't really put the game away for them he was he was really really good wasn't he I, I had the same way I was looking at it and I was kind of like we aren't playing well we don't look good the energy's bad and I was like this isn't going to happen and I just had that much on with work that night and I was like I'm just going to stop this for a second because I think I know where this is going to go and I think it's going to be a blowout. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I've i never done this, but I looked at the box. Oh, I'm going to look at the box score. And I came up and I just went, nah, this is this <laughs> is bad. Um, but obviously it was one, we lost by 20 points. Uh, Dinwiddie yeah. looked like vintage Dinwiddie really with 29 points, nine assists, Bridges 21, Cam Johnson 20. We were really, really flat. Like France gave us twenty-one, Paolo nineteen, Gorga fourteen. But my big takeaway was just how flat it felt in that game. Mm-hmm. And we, were, as you've said, we were just chasing and chasing, and we we just didn't look likely. They they were looking for that spark, weren't they? They mm-hmm. they brought in Jet Howard for a few minutes, yeah. hoping that maybe he could ignite the the offense and bury a couple of threes. I mean. Cole Anthony was only two of eight. It wasn't his best game. Sorry, two two for ten, two of eight from three. They were just they were just trying to find that spark plug off the bench because the, the starters really just didn't have it going, did they? Like we talked about earlier, teams are just double teaming Paolo. They're making that they're just crowding the paint. They're making it really difficult for the Magic to get any good look around the basket. Mm-hmm. Um. And they're just daring us to shoot threes. Yep. Um, we and we just fallen in love with the three in this game. We, what was it? Forty six attempts, sixteen for forty six. Now, if you make sixteen threes in a game, really, the Magic should be winning games. If you're shooting, if you're making sixteen threes, that's not happening very often. But um, forty six is is far too high for this team, and we didn't really get to the line. There was there was some dubious calls where we weren't getting to the line a few mm-hmm. times um but 21 attempts i mean that number's usually higher for us um it, it just like you said the, the vibe wasn't there there wasn't there wasn't really a rhythm um and down the stretch they were just playing frustrated i think and it was it was it wasn't the game that we wanted because it's obviously the first in season tournament game and they lose it by 20 and Put yourself in that points differential deficit at the beginning mm-hmm. is um is going to be tough to claw out of despite mm-hmm. winning in Chicago last night. But they responded. That's the important thing, didn't they? Yeah, I, I, Alan Kane, one of our Patreon members, was saying like, why do you, why do you think um our free throw percentage is so low? Um, I'll be honest, I don't know. <laughs> it, it's it's kind of there's players like Cole who look as though. You know, you would bank on them, and you still think he's going to hit it. Same as France, but mm-hmm. it doesn't look quite as assured as last season. Um, so it, it has what, taken. What are we on at the moment? So we are twenty third, shooting seventy four point eight percent compared to last season, and we were seventy eight. So it has dropped, and I think, like we, I said this last week again. Mm-hmm. Paolo's the biggest culprit he gets mm-hmm. to the line the most mm-hmm. and he's just not been that efficient from the line i think if paolo alone improves his percentages then the magic is the team's going to naturally yeah. come up as well isn't it yeah some of the some of the money it leaves his hand you know it's not going 
there's time to apologize. Yeah, is it is it a concentration thing? Is it is it they need more practice? Do they need more reps? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's it's a bizarre thing. Um, yeah. Who knows? But it has to improve, it doesn't does. it? It does. And then we we got two nail biters from here, Mikey. Um, obviously, back to back wins against Chicago. Um, so we were, we were dancing and we were having fun. Um, the first one, uh, last second, 96 94, controversial circumstances. We blew a comfortable lead. Paolo's game winner is part of his 17 points. It's been ruled as a travel, I believe. Um, he supported 16 points from Cole. Zach Levine, 19 points. Vooch, 17. First game against the Bulls. Any takeaways? Well, in terms of the travel, yes, it was a travel. But I don't care because we won the game anyway. And second of all, I think Caruso should have been called for a foul. And I'm sure somebody made this point. Vooch was calling for a timeout after Paolo made that shot. G, I think. And And they didn't have any timeouts left which should have been a tech for the magic anyway. And that never got called. That got missed. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there was things that went for us. There was things that went against us, but um, I mean, (laughs) we could almost blend these two games in together because the first half was almost identical to, to the first game. Yeah. First and second games were almost the same. What was it? I think 50 to 33, if my memory serves me right at halftime in the first game and 48 to 33 in the second game. And, the magic just absolutely smothered them defensively. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a masterclass defensively. I mean, they shown an elite level how good they were. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know what you saw defensively in that first half. I think for me, it was a bit like being in weirdo world watching the two games because <laughs> the, the, sec, the second one, um, so I had to watch it. I watched a bit like you, you know, I'm not staying up in the early hours to watch it, but the second one I had to watch half this morning and half this afternoon. So I was like, okay. like, shut my phone down. And I know it's bringing us into the second game. But I was kind of like, right. First game's happened. We had a big lead. We smothered them. Um, we've got, I'm, I'm comfortable. And then I was watching the lead fall away in the first game. And I was like, what's going on? You know, like the shots aren't falling. Um, we're yep. all over the Bulls. We just look so comfortable. We were playing as a unit. We look tight. The Bulls look frustrated. The crowd, you, we're not in Chicago. We're watching on League Pass. And you could feel the crowd at halftime in Chicago. I was like, wow, this crowd is is sick. They're turning. We've turned the crowd. We've everything you'd hoped for. And then yeah. he came back and I was like, we're going to blow this game. We, we are going to blow this game. And I was like, thank goodness when, when Paolo clutched it. And then... The second game, I first half went away. I came back, sat down. And I was like, right, surely not again. And I was just sat with a sandwich watching it, and I was like, have I missed something here? Like this feels like deja vu, where we looked so comfortable. Literally, yeah, yeah. We, and you know what? I think our defense was even better in the second game than than the first. Even, and I think the offense was as well. Yeah. Because for me, the second game, when it started off, it was a little bit like, oh, Chicago's come out a bit angry. And then Mosley mm-hmm. made the switch where he surrounded Paolo with shooters, which yeah. when he brought, like, because we had Ingles, Harris and Cole on the floor. And That's then right. the Bulls could only go one-on-one or at a push two-on-one with the ball being kicked out. And they didn't have an answer. They really did not have an answer. And I was like, oh, this is a preview of possibly the future here where... 
teams are having to basically take their pick of do you die by the inside or do you die by the outside? And I was like, this is interesting. And even the crowd in the second game, I felt were kind of like, here we go again. Like they were getting it as yeah. well. And then in the second... But they probably believe more because of the way they came back in the first yeah. game yeah. as well. But then when I, I was like, surely not again. And I went out and I was like, yeah, we'll we'll win this game by about 20 because that's not going to happen again. That's not going to happen again. Then I came and I watched the second half and I was like, what are we doing? And then Levine was hitting everything. And it's that thing where you've got like an all-star level talent and he's starting to go off. And I was like, wow, we are going to, we are going to blow this game. And I, I, I know Alan Kane, one of the questions he submitted um, about the second game was about how good GI looked and did we expect him to look this good but for me that was vintage Jonathan Isaac that's yeah. the best he's looked since he's came back 100% 100% I think going back to, to what you were talking about just now yeah. with, with with the crowd I mean let's be honest I mean they I, I want to say they they made the run earlier in the first game the second game what were we up 11 going mm-hmm. into the fourth mm-hmm. yeah or it was around 11 yeah, it was, wasn't it yeah, yeah. going into the fourth quarter and you're thinking like Levine started making threes earlier in the third quarter and they tried making the run and we were sort of keeping them at arm's length and we were answering answering back on the other end as well. And then in the fourth, I had the same thing. I was like, yeah, we, we've got a comfortable lead here. But we we have to have learned from Wednesday night. And, and I think it just proves more than anything. Now, I know we talk about like the magic need three-point shooting. But I think it shows that what Levine's capable of doing is the one thing we're lacking is that player that can just go off and give you 30 mm-hmm. out of nothing and, and breathe life back into a team. I'd say the only player that's probably capable of anything like that is Cole off the bench. I mean, he can turn into a microwave in, in no time and yeah. he can give you 15, 20 points off the bench. But he doesn't have the same athleticism or size that as, as Zach Levine has. And I think Zach Levine was the reason they got back into that game in, in, in the second game in the in-season tournament one. Um, but again, we, we talked about like the magic lack of three-point shooting. We had some really good looks down the stretch, like Cole missed the corner three. I think Gary Harris missed one. Ingles missed the, like the, there was There was opportunities there to put the game away. But when they took the lead, though, and it was going back with some fours, I was like, oh, they're, gonna get, they're finally going to get their revenge. But it wasn't to be, was it? No. It wasn't to be. But Cole went, like, the, second, um, the second quarter, I think it was in game one, we saw like Cole bounce back. And he was like, he did a little bit of what Levine would do. And Cole's a little bit out of form by his own admission at the minute. But we, we mm-hmm. do have, we do lack that where there's an all-star player who can take over from all three levels. And uh, Levine was doing that. But I do think, like, I, I want to talk a little bit about this, is just how good Jonathan Isaac looked in that second game, where for me, that I think it's everybody's highlight, where there was the stop at one end and then the dunk at the other. Does it look like a guy who's been as injured as he has when he ran the floor and put that through? No, I think... I think it's just. I think it just shows you what Ji is capable. Of. I'm. I'm not surprised. I don't think you're surprised either from what we saw from him. I, I think the one thing that's been lacking from him through the first what 
12, 13 games is is the offensive output yeah. hasn't been there. You can see the defensive instincts are still there. You can still see he's capable of blocking shots, making things difficult at the rim, switching out on players, making life really, really difficult. I mean, you think like the, the DeMar DeRozan mid-range shot that got blocked by J.I., that's just like classic J.I., like, mm. A player thinks he's got space and all of a sudden there's no daylight and, and he's blocked you. He's going down the other end. And like I said, they they rewarded him on the other end as well. But I think it was a bit like, what was the game that J.I. had that big block a couple of weeks ago and he was standing over the player Houston, and Houston, yeah, flexing. Houston, first game, flexing. And you're like, that's like J.I. almost like, letting a bit of weight off his shoulders and breathing a sigh of relief because he's back and can put those last couple of frustrating years behind him. And I think this game offensively is the same sort of thing. It's like another stepping stone for J.I. in terms of giving himself that confidence back. But, mate, he's been superb. And like I said it before the season, if the Magic might make the playoffs, J.I. is going to be a massive key. Um, not offensively, but nobody can really do what he does defensively with with his size. Um, and we've got some really good defenders, but mm-hmm. J.I. is elite and he makes the Magic defense elite as well. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully this can continue for him because he's been brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's one of those where whether he's playing the four, whether he's playing the five, because he's seen time there recently, it's very, very encouraging, particularly what we saw in the second game. We're seeing the minutes going up and it's the movement, the way he ran the floor and offensively putting it together is huge. And if, if Jonathan Isaac starts to shoot the three ball, which we know that's, he's, that's, he's got it in his locker, it's there. That's, that's all you want him to do. If he, if he can just keep teams honest and knock down a couple of game, mm-hmm. he's going he's gonna to run the floor. He's going to get to the basket. Paolo's going to make the, make those passes. He'll get rewarded on that end. I mean, he had a few dunks in this game yeah. and those putbacks, offensive boards. Um, He'd missed a but, couple of them recently, though, where he, there was one game, I'm not sure who it was against, where he kind of went up and it was as though he checked himself. You know, like, I think, he kind of hesitated. Yeah. And in this game, he didn't. And it, it was kind of like, wow, like, it's there still. And it was just really encouraging to see. And. For me, I think um, if you're putting him and Jalen Suggs on the court at the same time, teams are going to have a, a problem. Uh, and you could throw Anthony Black into that as well. If... I, I don't know if you've noticed a trend with me over the years, but like, it's it's fun watching players like Steph Curry shoot threes and mm-hmm. like the crowd up, like Levine did last night. But I love grit. I, I love this Magic team. Like, I love gritty teams that defend hard. Um, watching J.I. play defensively is a lot of fun. Anthony Black, Suggs getting after players. Paolo's really improved defensively yeah. this year from where he was last year as well. Um, yeah. Uh, and Mo Wagner getting under people's skin. Joe Ingles talking talking smack to players. He was having a bit of fun with Zach Levine last Bobby night. Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis, Bobby Portis yeah. He was under his skin Bobby Portis massively. Bobby wouldn't speak to him and they were teammates and this, he wouldn't speak yeah. to him. And you could tell he was in his head, even though he was trying, trying to not let him get to him. But yeah, it, defense wins your championships. Defense gets you into the playoffs. The magic are already that. Mm-hmm. I've already got that in their in their bag. And like we like we've already said, we're already missing three starters. We're already missing Fultz, Suggs, 
Wendell. Uh, I was worried about uh, our points in the paint, defending the paint without Wendell. But Mm. like we already mentioned, Goga's been great at that as well. Mm -hmm. Offensively, because you talk about the defensive side, Mike, a statistic Mm -hmm. that's out there in an article I've seen recently was we have 97 points per 100 possessions. And if that was... You know, taking into account, it would put us seven points behind Portland's thirtieth-ranked offense. Is that a bit of a surprise to you? I, I don't think so. No. I think we knew offensively there was room for improvement. That mm. they've been saying all off-season, haven't they? Like the defensive side of the balls that is the number one thing they're focusing on. Yeah, um, and we know, like the. the the biggest thing is going to open up offensively if the, if the magic can just improve that three point shooting mm-hmm. it opens up absolutely everything and i think probably again these two games against chicago have highlighted something we already knew anyway that yeah first half of games were right up there i think we're number 1 in in points or, or offensive rating in the first half second half and it's like the opposite end mm-hmm. of the opposite end of the scale but I think if the magic if the magic finds some three-point shooting it opens up everything because they're like I said we've already mentioned this about games we've seen this week Paolo gets triple teamed gets double teamed they're trying to make passes that aren't really there you know like Mm -hmm. when somebody's cutting into the paint trying to make a backdoor cut they're trying to thread the needle and there's just arms and legs everywhere and there's not the space on the floor for, for Paolo to really go to work. And we saw last night, I think the second game against Chicago was a really good example. Like when, when the offense was playing well, like you said, mm-hmm. that at one point we had the Ingles in the corner, you had Cole Anthony out there, you had Gary Harris in the other corner. Mm. Paolo was a, was like a different player. Yeah. Like he was in complete control of the offense. Um, because he had the floor space in. And like you said, two teams want to go, well, we'll let Paolo get his own and we'll try and do our best to keep him out of the paint and off the free throw line. But if he kicks the ball out, you've got dangerous shooters there that can can hurt you as well. Um, And I think that's why there are question marks around the guards because they are the ones that need to improve the most. Um, But... No, I, I'm not. I'm not worried, and and I, I'm surprised more than anything about the zone because last year we were good against the zone, yeah. and it's not something that's really. It's not. So, you tend to see when the Magic want to break the zone, you get somebody cuts into like the middle of the paint, and they get they get deep position in the paint at the free throw line, and then you get players making cuts out of that, and you and you sort of get teams to try and collapse into the paint and then kick the ball around the perimeter. It's just not really working at the moment. And I think, again, teams teams are more worried about making life difficult for Paolo and Franz. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know what you think, but I think the zone's been a bit of a disappointment compared to where it was last year but I think it's I think it's a huge disappointment really because it wasn't totally expected and I do think teams have changed their approach because I think Paolo and Franz are a lot more respected this season than they were mm-hmm. last but um I think we do love this team and we've got to say that the players who are on it the coach everybody we, we like 
but it's going to be at some point who fits with, and I know I've said this before and I'm beating a drum, but it's who fits with Paulo and France going forward. And yep. I keep going back to it. I know like if anyone who's listening doesn't know this, me and Mikey get early starts to work on the morning. So we sometimes have like a 30 minute catch up a couple of times a week when I'm driving, when we're driving to work and such. And, um, my view is is that Cole of the guards has his place on the team because he's the microwave and he's the guy who can go off and he offers that offensive spark. So I think he's actually safe as a guard. And I think we we need players there who fill defined roles where we've got, you know, like we've got ball handling six foot ten wings, essentially. And we need guys around them who can do what we saw the other night against the Bulls in the first half last night where it's Paolo has the space to go and work. And that means that we need people who can shoot and who can defend. That's ultimately where it's at. And I think we get that with Cole and we're hoping that it's going to come from the other guards. But I think if it doesn't, and I'm not asking for anyone to get traded, I'll say that again, but I do think that is where the focus will come for the Magic to take their next step. It's given these guys the room to work in and it has to happen. And I know like if G was here and I, I, Markel Fultz brings a lot to this team, but I do think we need the floor spacing, which Markel can do. If Markel gets that mid-range going, which hasn't really been there this season, that changes things yeah. as well. And I'm just hoping when Markel does come back, we can see that because he offers so much as a floor general, a fourth quarter ball handler, someone who's reliable, someone who can kick into the paint. There's so much he offers, but there's, I think our guard rotation has to show what they can do um, to get the best out of the two guys who are really the safe ones in Paolo and Franz. Um, so I'm yeah. interested in that, and that kind of moves us on Mikey a little bit because there are whispers floating around on social media. We'll call it whiffs. Um, and I know you listened to a pod the other day about teams who might make a move for Zach Levine, and I know there's been mock-ups done on socials where it's like what he would look like if he went to the Lakers because obviously the Lakers get everybody. I'm sure that Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell would be the uh, people who they'd be looking at in trade packages. There's been people saying he doesn't want to go to the Knicks. Has that got something to do with Thibodeau? But we were floated out there as like a a possible place as a team who might want Zach Levine, who he fits a need for and who we've got the assets to do a deal. Um where do you stand on this? So the name was brought up by Zach Lowe on the, yeah. on the Lowe post earlier this week. Um, and I think it was more of an honourable mention that he put the, the magic in this category. And he, the, the teams that he was obviously talking about, you mentioned the Lakers, the Raptors was also a, another sort of team under the radar that he thought that, mm. that Levine might fit on. Um I think we've seen in person this week that Zach Levine can go off in it in no time at all, and he and he can really improve your offense. He can he can be that spark plug. Um, he's a thirty eight percent three point shooter for his career, I believe. He's not he's a little bit down this year, but we saw last night like when he gets going, he's hard to stop, um, and I think. Any player like that, the biggest drawback with Levine is that contract. That's that's the biggest holdback. And I'm I'm not advocating for Zach Levine necessarily, but 
he's the sort of player that I think the Magic need around, like you've already said about players surrounding Paolo and Franz that help spread the floor. Like you put Zach Levine out there, who's six foot five, who can, who's a respected three point shooter or can drive, get downhill, get into the paint, which is another thing mm-hmm. that this team likes to do as well. I think he does fit. And I think Zach Lowe is, is right on that. But the other thing he mentioned as well with, with somebody like Zach Levine is Paolo and Franz are still that young that less, let's say in theory, the magic traded for Zach Levine. They're still young enough that if they get it wrong and it doesn't work and they move on from Zach Levine in three years time, there's still loads of time there that they can, they can pivot out of that scenario and, and go down another avenue and try and rebuild the team or retool the team around Paolo and Franz that way. Um, and I think that's a really important thing because who, whoever that player might be that we end up eventually moving somebody on for might not be the glam, the most glamorous name or it might not be somebody who's got the best reputation around the NBA. I mean, we like, I think the dream for somebody like Paolo and Franz to play next to would be like Devin Booker yeah. as a, as a two guard, somebody in that, in that mold. Um, I think Devin Booker's six, six, like mm-hmm. ticket boxes in, in terms of size, three point shooting. Um, I'm, I'm kind of glad we missed the Donovan Mitchell <clears throat> trainer, if I'm honest, as much as I like Donovan Mitchell, I think now Cleveland are starting to see that, a player, a pairing with a small backcourt isn't as easy to 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 move forwards with, and they're obviously going through their struggles a little bit this season to begin the year. But um, in terms of a deal, uh, you you've mentioned this to me. I've not really looked into this, but I can't remember who the players you were talking about now that would have to be included. Um, so before I like, I'll, I'll touch on that. I, I, what you said about the contract, I agree. The contract's a worry. Um, injury history is a little bit of a worry as well. I think true for me the the comparison I would have if the magic pulled this deal is actually when we signed Richard Lewis as a free agent and I know I made this point to you before but it's a slight overpay on his contract he's a guy who opens the floor up which Richard Lewis did for Dwight he's a scorer which Richard Lewis was and he's also a borderline all-star where he may or may not make the all-star game which is Richard Lewis. So it's that's the level of player. I know they have different games, but that's the level I put Zach Levine at. And and you're also trading for a player who knows coming in, he's got a defined role. He knows he's not the alpha. He's number three. It's just the same with Richard. The, mag- the Magic signed him and he knew it was all about Jameer and Dwight Howard. Yeah. He's and fitting next to Hedo. He's number three. He is number three on that team if he comes in. And I'm not saying we're going to trade for him or we're not, but I know we we agree Devin Booker would be ideal. Like we've had this conversation off air where we both think Devin Booker would be ideal, but that's where I see Zach Levine at in terms of if, if a deal was made. It's just we have the players who are young enough where we could move on a lot easier than we could from Richard's contract, which was a little bit of an albatross for us at the end. Mm. Um, yeah. If we were doing the deal... And again, I'm not advocating for this. I don't want G turning up at my house with a pitchfork or anything like that. But um, when you when you look at what the Bulls need, 
um, Lonzo Ball is struggling. And it depends whether you believe it or not. But I know Stephen A. Smith's had his views on this. The Bulls are wanting a point guard. And I've seen it floating on socials where it's been talked about and faults by non-Magic fans has popped up in deals about what the Bulls yeah. would want. I do think the Bulls would want that. And I think the deal would centre around on trade checker where you're looking at Gary Harris would have to be involved for salary. Markel Fultz, you're probably looking at Tumor, and you're probably looking at someone like Jet Howard to make the deal to make the deal work. Um, I did have a one the other day where I was tinkering about when Vooch becomes available, and I think it was those guys plus Goga, and it worked with uh, Vooch coming back as well, which is just you know like a bit of romanticism and seeing Vooch back in Orlando. But um, I know you've said, Mikey, to me off air that. The, the, the whispers are that the Zach Levine deal, if he does get dealt, might not be what Bulls fans would think it would be because of, for example, the contract and where he stands at in his career right now. Um, for anyone who's listening, I'm not saying I want to trade Markel Fultz. I absolutely don't. I really like Markel Fultz. But I think if the Bulls were going to make a deal with us, they would want a floor general back. And I think mm-hmm. if the Magic were going to pull the trigger if the Magic were in love with Zach Levine and given how Paolo and Franz are, I think there is where it goes back to that idea of what people's roles are and what they can bring around them. So I I don't think Markel would be off the floor in terms of a trade. I think the Bulls would probably want Jonathan Isaac and I'm not sure we would do it. I don't think we would trade Mm. GI right now for for Zach Levine. If it was something, if it was Devin Booker, maybe we would. But I don't. I don't think Jonathan Isaac would be on the table because of where Levine's stock is in terms of being a borderline All Star, in terms of being not content in Chicago by the looks of it, and injury history and contract. It's maybe not a mm. bigger ask as you would think. Um, I think if we were to try and go for Levine and Vooch, we would have to put some draft stock in there as well. I think. I want to make this really clear. I would be really hesitant about making a big move now anyway, this season. I kind of, there's going to come a point where we're all a bit like, like we can see where this team's going. Like you can envision, like you can see the way Paolo, although the points per game's not, he's not increased it massively from where he was Mm -hmm. last year. The same with Franz, but I don't care. We're seven and five compared to where we were this point last year. And we are much better. Like we are elite defensively. I think before we jumped on, I had a quick look. We are second in defensive rating this season at 106.5. Like we are an elite defensive team and we're missing some key players still as well. Um, So I'd be really concerned about making a move that upsets the apple cart now whilst Mm. things are, are good. And there's still, like you, you get Markel back, you get Jalen Suggs back, you get Wendell back, and and see what this looks like after another forty games Great. before you even really consider anything like Zach Levine or anything even close to that. Um, so that's the first point: is I'd just be really hesitant about making a move yet. Anyway, but there is going to come a point where they are going to want to pull the trigger on somebody. Yeah, Zach. I think Zach Levine probably fits. Some people will disagree with this, no doubt, but I think Zach Levine 
fits as a guard, as a wing. I think he fits better around Paolo and Franz probably than any other other guards. Mm-hmm. Other than maybe even Cole. I know Cole coming off as a mm-hmm. sixth man, but Levine next to Paolo and Franz probably makes more sense than any of the guards that we have already. Mm-hmm. Um, now that's not to say that's not again. We're not advocating yeah. that we're trading for Zlat Kavine. Um, just looking at a trade machine, and this I'm just looking at pure salary. But you're right. If if the Magic were to make a move now, Zach Levine's getting forty million this year. Mm-hmm. What's I think he's twenty eight, so mm-hmm. he's still young. Like he's 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 still the good. He's still the right side of thirty. It's not like Zach Levine, Zach Levine's been around for a long, long time, but he's still young. Um, so his forty million contract. If you put him in a deal with Chicago. Faults, Gary Harris, and Caleb Houston, according to ESPN Trade Machine, works. Yeah. And according to Hollinger's analysis, it would give us an extra five wins moving for, for Levine. Now, if you did that, I would be concerned about how the offense initiates at that point, because if you moved on from somebody like Markel Faults, yeah. who's who gets players in the right spot, then that's that's a valid a valid point, but I also think, and again, no pitchforks from Garant hopefully outside mm-hmm. of my house either. But like, I get it. Like, yeah, Markel makes you better. Like I said last week, Markel on the floor makes us better. Wendell on the floor makes us better. But our prime focus is is getting the most and maximizing the potential. Paolo and Franz. And if the, if you want those guys initiating the offense eventually, like mm-hmm. you want everything or the majority of what you do to run through those two players, so if, like that, that's a, that's another positive to take from this week as well. Yeah, it's been frustrating. We've lost leads. We're still three and one. We should be four and zero oh if we hadn't have been if we hadn't have just crapped the bed against <laughs> Brooklyn in the fourth quarter. Yeah, but. It's forcing Paolo and Franz to play through this, and it's and it's it's really key, valuable learning lessons for for those two. It's it's valuable lessons for the front office, mm-hmm. for them thinking right. How was how does this look like? If if it is Paolo, if it is Franz, if we want the ball in their hands and everything runs through them, how does it look with the ball in the hands? So I think it's I think it's a good thing as well. Um, obviously we want everyone back healthy, but, um, I don't know, mate, it's, it's, it's a key, like uh, there's part of me and I'm like, cause I like Zach Levine. I've, mm. I've, I do like him, but how he fits, I, I think he's more of a natural fit, but I, again, I'm really hesitant about making mm. any sort of move at the moment. I, I would rather at this point, if we're looking at February, looking further down the line, if we're still in or around 500, mm. I think for me, it's. Uh, I agree, but it's kind of like a. I'm not jumping on here, going every day. Let's make a trade. It's just that it's it's gathered that much. There's that much talk about it on, and I'm not saying it's rampant, but it's made like podcasts. It's been floating around on X. It's a talking point, and it's a one that we've yeah. therefore got to address. And we don't want to break these guys up yet. We want to see what we've got, but uh, it's a talking point. And if you go off what people are saying people are saying well the Bulls would want something back and what they'd want back's a, a ball handler you know and, and I, I th- if I'm the Bulls I don't care what I get back here tanking <laughs> if you oh, blow yeah. this up yeah. 
So you you want draft picks, which again, this is a thing Zach Lowe said that I think Bulls fans need to in, need to prepare themselves for what they're going to get back for Zach Levine if they do move him because it's not going to be it's not going to be like Rudy Gobert level sort of stuff that teams have given up for good players over the last couple of of years. Well, look, at, but, if they want if they want to look, um, they were involved when we started tanking. And look at what we got for Vooch. Yeah. The, the, the draft picks were the key there, and I'm not knocking Wendell at all. But you know, like what we what came back through that deal, Wendell was a bonus. It was about the picks. Yeah, and I think the Bulls are probably looking at something similar, where Vooch is a, was a borderline all star, um, and he was on a team that was ready to tank, and he was going to a team that was looking to take steps forward as the third asset because they already were like, obviously Levine and DeRozan are the guys that they were going forward with. And Vooch was the third guy. And I think that's possibly a view of when Levine goes, it's going to be something similar. What can you get back in terms of either young talent and or picks? Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, it's close to home for them. Um, it's fun to talk about, isn't it? It is, it is. And um, I'm just going to say again, like, um, gee, I don't want to pitchfork on my lawn when you hear this. <laughs> We're not saying trademark hell, folks. Nobody's saying that. We're just reacting to what's doing the rounds. So we are joined by Mr. Dylan Holden, who has just gone famous in the last 24 hours as a meme, Dylan. <laughs> um, it's, it's been a while. Um, it's about a year. It's just over a year ago since we were stood out the front of the Amway um, for the season opener in Boston. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel like a year has passed. Um, so how are you today and how do you feel about your uh, meme status? Oh, it's uh, been, a, been a good day so far. I just, uh, you know, been... Waiting to talk magic basketball. Um, the the meme last night uh, it was pretty cool. Uh, got a lot of uh, you know feedback from it. I actually had to mute the mute the meme because it was going off two three o'clock in the morning trying to get some sleep. So, but uh, it's great, man. You know I love the magic and uh, people that know me know that. So, absolutely, you are like a huge huge magic fan. I, I know that from meeting you and speaking to you before. And but can you tell our fan base people who watch the pod listen to the pod how did you become a magic fan and because you aren't based in florida no no i'm actually in maryland and uh i became a magic fan because my grandfather he used to send me tapes of uh shack and penny back in the day playing and i was about i don't know probably six or seven years old my first jersey was a shack jersey um and it just grew from there um you know, a lot of main memories with him and my grandmother surrounded by the Magic. Um, went to a lot of Magic games as a kid. Um, I always tell people all the time, uh, it's not many times as a fan, you get to have all your favorite players on your favorite team. But I did. We had Shaq. We had Penny. Then I went to T-Mac and then Dwight. So I never had to go to another team to look for my favorite player. He was always on the Magic. Which um which magic jersey did you get as your first one? Just out of interest, um the Shack, uh the the old school pinstripe um blue Shack jersey. You had the blue one. So my yeah. my, my mm-hmm. first one was the black one. Oh okay. So that's how I became a magic fan. I was in Florida, and I was all set for getting the Jordan jersey because I'd only ever heard of Michael Jordan, 
And then my dad came back and he was like, oh, the guy in the store said, you don't want this jersey. You don't want that guy. This is him. And it was the black champion, number 32. And obviously I started to follow Shaq and just as a kid. Unreal. Yeah, hopefully uh, we go back to those jerseys at some point. I know there's something with the rights or something that they can't go back to that. But, I mean, every Magic fan loves the pinstripes. So. How how much better does it look this season when we've got the classic jersey, the uh, T-Max Stars jersey on the court? Like, How much better does it look? Oh, it's it's un- unbelievable. Um, it's it's one of our better ones that we've done. Um, I know I'm, I've said many times I hated the orange orange jerseys. Uh, I'm glad they got rid of those. Um, we're, we're black and blue. We don't need a different color. Um, our colors are iconic already. So, Do you like this season's city jersey? I do. Um, it's not the, my favorite, but uh, it's definitely not bad. I think it looks better on the players than it does online. Yeah. Uh, I think if you if you see a picture of it online, it doesn't look that great, but when, it, when the guys are out there running around in the jersey, it looks a little better for sure. I know when it um it dropped and they do like the glamour shot of the jersey and I was like oh that's okay and then someone snapped one where it was hanging up in a store and I was like not as sure and then I got it um basically released in the UK and I got it slightly cheaper than it would retail for and I was like right I'm gonna get it hit it and see what it comes in for and when I got it in hand. Um, I dropped the guys um, from the pod a message and I was like, in hand, this jersey is so much better than it looked. So, I assume you got a Cole Anthony jersey. I really wanted one, but I uh, had to go with um, what Nike were offering. So Nike had the deal on um, and I scored it. I got a Franz one. That was all they had on the site. Um, and I was like, I was, I wanted to get Cole, but when I went on to get Cole, there was no customization of a large so oh, I, okay. I just went, right, do I take it? Do I not? I'm just going to go for it. So I, I thought I've got it a little bit cheaper. I'm just going to get Franz, which I can live with. But uh, I was all geared up, Dylan, for a, uh, a cold jersey. <laughs> yeah, little, I figured that. I'm a little bit disappointed because I really wanted a 50 and uh, I couldn't do it. Um, I obviously am a big Cole Anthony fan. You, in Magic fandom circles, if we were to look at Jalen Suggs Island, you hold the most real estate on Jalen Suggs Island. So I think you've basically got the equivalent of the White House on Jalen Suggs Island. Um, here's your opportunity. Talk up Jalen Suggs. What is it about him? And what do you think his season's going to be like? Well, the main thing for me, when we first drafted Jalen Suggs, I felt like he was... Um, the next great guard was going to be the next great guard on our lineage of guards that we've had. Um, I expected him to be a 20 point per game score. Now that could still happen, but I, even myself, I've had to probably come to the realization that that may not, um, but he has the ability to do that. Um, we've seen certain games he has where when he's hot, he, he can get going um, driving to the rim and um, hitting threes. Um, for me, with everything that goes on in today's NBA, with players not playing as hard as they as they should, man, Jalen doesn't cheat the game. Um, he gives you 110% every time he's out there. Um, he's one of the best defensive players in the league already at 20, 22. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he just – goes a thousand miles per hour. Sometimes it gets him in trouble. But to me, man, as a fan, when you have a player like him giving 110%, how can you not root for the guy? 
I would say that I would say Jalen and Cole for me both give me the vibes of players who would fit in the heart and hustle team in that era, where the, just the enthusiasm, the passion, etc. It's infectious. I mean, you you see the nonsense going on throughout the league with other stars like James Harden, for example, forcing his way out, and, and you know, yeah. being out of shape and things like that. With with Jalen, you don't have to worry about any of that, and he gives you he shows you those big flashes of, man, this guy could be really good. Like, he, he could average 20 points a game, but his three-point shot isn't where we all want it yet. Um, but I think if he can stay on the floor, uh, hopefully he comes back from injury uh, pretty quickly. Uh, if he can stay on the floor, he's got a real chance. But, um, like, like, I think I tweeted the other night, I think even us as Magic fans, we're just going to have to accept Jalen's flaws a little bit because I don't think – with what he brings on the defense end, I do not think he'll be going anywhere anytime soon unless he is in a um, trade scenario where we bring in another star. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they're just going to trade Jalen Suggs for, you know, peanuts or anything. So I think we're going to kind of have to live with what he brings to the table. He's he's drawn some interesting comparisons, <clears throat> Dylan, because I know when he came into the league, there was kind of like the Marcus Smart, is he Drew Holiday? Etc. If you were doing a player comp for Jalen Suggs, based on what we've seen so far and where you think his ceiling is, what would be your comparisons for him? I think Marcus Smart is a good comparison. Now, for myself, I can I wanted to compare him more to like a D Wade when he first got into the league because mm-hmm. that's that was the hype that he kind of had. You know, everybody forgets that he was. Um, top four in that draft, supposedly. So um, he he was supposed to go a little higher than he did. Mm-hmm. Um, I was glad when we picked him up, um, number five. We got lucky with that. So, but I think Marcus Smart is the comparison best for him now because of how he um, brings intensity to the defensive end. Yeah, I, I can see that. And again, the hype around him was unreal and on draft night when, when he slipped to five, I remember watching live and I was like, we're, we're going to take Jalen Suggs here. And it's still working out for us. I know there's, there's some people criticize because of the shot. It's usually people outside of Orlando, but everything else is there. And if he, if he becomes a 36, 37% three point shooter, it's, it's dangerous. I mean, just for an example, like last, I mean, not last night, but uh, I think it was the Nets game. I mean, the first Bulls game, Jalen had a horrible game, but at the end, guess what? Guess who got the steal from Vooch to seal the game? It was Jalen Suggs. Yeah. So he played terrible, but he still made a big play down the stretch. And that's the big thing with him. Like he could be playing terrible all game, but if he makes one or two big defensive plays, he could turn it. Yeah. He doesn't turn the game. He doesn't run away, does he? No, no, he doesn't run away, and he doesn't stop. He, he just keeps going. So he he wants he wants the pressure, and he, he wants the shots at the end. You know, like when when the ball's there, he's like, yeah, I'll take it. And it, it's it's similar when you see players like him, Paolo, Franz, Cole. They're kind of like if they miss, they will do it again. They will go back, and they're not put off by it. Um, Suggs is in. I, I'm willing him. I, I'm willing that shot. I'm sitting there and I'm like, come on, like I just want that shot to get to that 36, 37, <laughs> and then see where we go. Yeah, I mean, imagine if he hits that shot against LA, the first LA game. I mean, he had a great game, but he missed that shot, so everybody's upset that you know. See, he needs to have a better shot, but he we weren't even we wouldn't even have been in that game if it wasn't for Jalen Suggs. Yeah, 
he, it was infectious. He, he's been impressive. If, if people who's watched the games of the Magic this season, Jalen's been a big part. Um, I was really, really worried when he wasn't suiting up um, last night because I was kind of like, oh no, not not when he's had a good start. And then I think, from my view, when Jalen's been doing well for the Magic through his two years so far, whenever he's hit form, he's hit an injury. And then he's had to play himself back into like game shape, etc. And I was like, I don't want this to be a long injury. I want him back straight away. Yeah, you got you got to have him back. And the fact that he was in Orlando all summer, uh, really putting work in. I mean, we all saw it online. Like he was the main person in Orlando um, putting in work. And he just really seems like he turned a little bit of a corner, maybe not with the shot. But I think with his confidence and where he's at as a player, uh, I think he is, you know, comfortable with it and and has the confidence to go out there on the floor and perform every night. Absolutely, his physique as well is the from the end of last season to the start of this. He's he's just grown. He looks like a guy who's just worked all summer. And fair fair play to him because we all we're all willing him and we're all there ready to buy some more real estate on the island if if you'll allow us, Dylan. Absolutely, I'm not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere either. So it'll be here for a while. <laughs> So we've, we're talking Jalen Suggs, but we've got the magic overall this season. Um, are you happy? What's excited you so far with with the magic? Um, I think the the biggest thing that's exciting me is, um, you know, obviously Paolo and Franz, uh, and just being able to turn on the games and not have to root for losses anymore. Um, but I also think that's a double edged sword because um, that brings some overreactions. Um, because like there's no lotto balls at the end of this year to like save us. So like when we're losing to teams like the, they did the other night, the Nets, and they're in your weight class and you're losing by 20, you just get really, really frustrated because it's like, okay, we can't drop games like this and like just not show up. Like this isn't – we don't have the lottery waiting for us at the end of the line this year. It's either we're going to be in the playoffs or we're going to be, you know, just going home. So um, that that's the one thing about being happy about being relevant again, yeah. um, and I and I haven't uh, realized that in about a decade. I think that's why some of my tweets come off like they do because I haven't, you know, I'm not gonna say that I did, haven't cared as much because I have, but when when you're in the position the Magic have been in rebuilding, um, you know, when you lose, sometimes it's like, well, we're gonna have a good, better lottery odds. So, but. This year, you don't have that. So that's why it's like the expectations have um, brought on a whole new fandom um, for a lot of us. <clears throat> well, the, ex the expectations have totally changed. And, you know, we've both been here for a long time now with this. And I think that um, for me, this is the most expectation I've had since we drafted Dwight. Absolutely. Because when we drafted Dwight, we obviously had Steve Francis came in, Catino Mobley came in, Grant Hill was back fit, Hero was there. And I was like, yeah, this roster's actually pretty decent. We've lost T-Mac, but it's it's pretty decent. I expect to be bouncing back. And it was the first time since then where I'd gone into a season going, I don't expect us to be bad anymore. Um, you know, like I know when we lost Dwight, I was kind of like, this could be, we could be here for a while. And even when we made the playoffs, for me, it was more of a surprise when we did it. So this is the first time in a long time where I've gone from no expectation to actually I'm expecting something, some playoffs at the end of it. So. And I know um, for myself too, like because we love this roster so much, like the actual guys on it, like you love Cole, I love Suggs, 
uh, J, uh, G loves Markel. Like that, that makes it ratchets up even more because you don't want to see none of these guys get traded. Like I know um, it's going to happen at some point that this roster is going to look different, but like, I don't know right now, I don't want to lose any of our guys, man. And, and even coach Mosley, like, I don't want to see him, you know, gone. I want to see him see this thing through. I know he's been catching a lot of flack lately, but I I, I think overall he's a, a pretty solid coach. And I think with this core, um, if they let him see it through, I think they they have a good chance to um, be good. But sometimes if you don't win fast enough, they don't let you do that. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the team is likable, isn't it? Like there's, there's a lot to like on this team and I'm with you. It's, it's watching the players grow and evolve and you take somebody like you have Jalen Suggs, like I have with Cole and you're kind of like, I am willing it for this guy. Like I, I'm willing Cole to a sixth man of the six man award. I'm willing him to be the 20 points a game guy, which he can be. But I do know as well that mm. at some point this squad's going to change and it's going to change around Paolo and France. And that's basically it. And I think Mosley's done a good job for us overall. And I really hope he gets the time to to see it out. So that's going to be something. So the magic we're looking at like a next step. What what would that next step look like for you, Dylan? For the magic to actually take the next step, what would it look like? Uh, I think the first step would be we have to hold uh, second half leads. Um, we can't we can't get up eighteen points on a team and uh, continuously let them come back. But I mean, obviously, the the main answer is you have to at the minimum, make the play in this year. Um, I, I, I think if we play up to potential, we could actually make the playoffs. But I think the play in is definitely that. I mean, that has to be a goal at this point. I think actually the season would be a, a step back uh, in some aspects if we don't make the play in. Um, just with the talent on the roster, um, night in and night out, even with our shaky offense at times, um, our defense should be able to carry the day. I mean, we should have a top five defense all year. Yeah. Uh, if we can stay healthy, obviously. I mean, all this is, of course, if you're if you're healthy. So, Well, if we're healthy and we're seeing G.I.'s minutes start to increase, um, and he, he looked better than vintage against the in the second Bulls game to me. He was phenomenal. But if you put G.I. and Jalen Suggs on the court together for major minutes you've got two guys there who are two of the best defenders in the league on one team. Yeah. Um, the way he looked uh, last night against the Bulls, um, J.I., he, he he got me, you know, perked up and um, kind of bought back in a little bit because I didn't expect him to look like that ever again. So, um, you know, props to him. Um, you know, I'm glad he proved me wrong. Uh, and hopefully he can stay healthy because it's clear that, he really helps his team when he's out there on the floor. Um, he basically carried us last night against the Bulls at certain stretches. So, um, you know, big up to him. Oh, G.I., I think if we hadn't been talking injuries, he's in that unicorn conversation, isn't he? Because he came back and we've seen the defensive impact, but last night's the first time since he's came back where we've really seen, for me, the offensive impact, which he can have as well. And I know when there was the stop and then the dunk in the second half. <laughs> That was that was poetry. That yeah, that that was like one of those on back moments, um, you know. And you just hope that he can turn the corner. And you know, I hope the coaching staff um, keeps him out there because sometimes I feel like they hold him back. Um, you know, good or bad 
uh, or indifferent. They kind of hold them back sometimes. But we know how the magic are with injuries. They're overcautious instead of putting their guys out there. So, Yeah, I I, I know I, I agree with you. And I think um, it's going to be one of those where we've, we've had the injuries in the past. I'm hoping it's I'm hoping it's behind us because he is such a difference maker, and if he gets himself back on the court and plays sixty games plus for us this season, that idea of being in the playoffs, getting the sixth seed or something, it's it's more attainable with Jonathan Isaac there. So, if you were putting it on the line, Dylan, and you were saying I'm going to call the magic season now, when the last ball has been played in Magic basketball this year. What has the season looked like for us? If you, uh, I think we are a playoff team. Okay. I think we give somebody a a big scare in the first round, but because of our inexperience, we probably lose in seven games in the first round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, I hope I'm wrong. I hope we could get out of the first round, depending on who we played. But I think that would be the a successful year for us. It'd be heartbreak. Um, to lose in the first round. But I think that right there would be a success. I think anything other than that, and you're probably, you know, looking at a big shakeup at the end of this year. Maybe not necessarily a big shakeup, but everybody won't be back if we don't make the playoffs this year, I don't think, mm-hmm. unless there's catastrophic injuries. Yeah. Well, injuries could change everything, really. And I think um, I agree. I think for me, with the playoffs and such, if we don't do it, in particular, if we don't do it, I think it's possibly the last year we see everybody who we've got um, ties to and likes possibly being there in the following season. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we make the playoffs, and I'm hoping that we play meaningful basketball games that count for these guys. Because when um, the guys are on the floor, I mean they played, you know, pretty solid. Um, this year so far they've let a couple games get away that they should have won they, they should have won that first laker game yeah uh they, they should have beat atlanta yep. but if 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 we win those games i mean we're talking about a team that's what nine and two eight and three at the worst so i mean um you, you can't can't be too upset with them but when you're watching the games tweeting sometimes you you forget that um you know they they are young and they do have things to learn, but the young mantra is getting old too. I mean, just look at what Nick Anderson said before the season started. He said we could play with anybody. Now Nick Anderson is around these dudes a lot more than me and you are. Mm-hmm. So obviously he knows something. So if he's holding them to that standard, um, it's hard when you're watching the games not to hold them to a big standard because, like I said, he, he's been around them. So I'm going to take what he says, you know, to the bank. Yeah. I agree. I think as well, um, there's a point where I think this season it's seeing what we have. I think there is an element of that, but there is expectation. And I think there's like, I think the expectation's higher up as well. You know, and there's guys there where you go, okay, they're young, but young in, in sports at 25 and 24 and things like that is, okay, we're starting to see how you're going to pan out a little bit. So I think... <laughs> Yeah, sorry about that. Um, but I, I was just going to say, um, and then you look at Paolo and Franz. Paolo was a superstar last year, averaged 20 points a game, rookie of the year, mm-hmm. had LeBron James comparison stats. Mm-hmm. And then you look at Franz Summer and what he did with Germany uh, and basically turned into a superstar overnight. 
internationally. And so when you when they get back to Orlando, obviously you're expecting for those two players to show up. Mm-hmm. Now they they have in spurts um, this season, but we haven't got the consistency where you would like to see it. Um, it's and that I think adds to the frustration because, like Jamal Mosley said, um, these guys told them themselves, "We know they can play with anybody." when they're locked in, we know they can win big games. They beat Boston. What was that? Twice or three times that we beat Boston last year. It was three times we beat them last year. Three three times we beat them. And then you beat Golden State last year and you had other big wins. So they, they, they told on themselves. And, and that's why we're, we are where we're at because, you know, we've seen them do it. Absolutely. I think for me, uh, I know we spoke off air before we started recording, but I think during the the second Bulls game in the first half when Coach Mosley made the substitutions to give Parlo the floor spacing, and then that's when the lead opened up. When we saw like Ingles there, I think Gary Harris, Cole Anthony were all on the floor and no longer could they cram the paint. That's maybe an insight of where things will eventually go, where I think he knows we need shooters. Yeah, I think all Magic fans know we need shooting. Um, that's that's not up for debate. Uh, but Paolo definitely has to demand the ball. And last night, um, he he did that, especially in the first half. Um, he needs they need to run the offense through him. Uh, he's six ten. I would like to see him in the post a little more. Maybe draw some more double teams and kick out the shooters. Mm-hmm. Um, but. You know, we'll see where it goes, but uh, they they they're they're going to be okay, but they're just not moving at at the pace we fans want, and that's understandable. So, yeah, but we're hungry, aren't we? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we're hungry. So, Dylan, is there anything you'd like to plug? Any socials for anyone who wants to give you a follow? If it, now that you, especially now that you are meme famous on uh, X or Twitter or whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah, whatever it's called nowadays. Uh... It changes. It changes daily. It does. Uh, let me let me see here. I, I don't want to uh, screw my own tag up, so I'm gonna just look at it. <laughs> okay, so I'm on. I'm on X guys. Uh, o Town for Life One. Uh, you guys can find me on there. Um, that that's really the main platform I'm on Twitter. Uh, far as for when the Magic are playing, um, but a lot of you already know me, and I'm sure. Uh, more people in the UK will after this pod because you guys are famous over there yourself. So, <laughs> oh, infamous. What I'll say is, if anyone's watching um, and you want to actually give the president of Jalen Suggs Island a follow, you've now got the details. Dylan's a lot more famous after last night than any of us are, and uh, <laughs> that's where you can get him at. Um, Dylan, like. Thank you for everything for coming on and giving up your time on it. It's a weekend. We're filming on a, a Saturday here, and we we spoke again off air how hard it is with the time difference to get things right for filming this. And you know we appreciate it and thank you. Oh yeah, no problem. I, I always uh, love jumping on, talking about the magic, and uh, talking talking with you guys, man. I, I met a lot of you uh, over a year ago. It was fun, and uh, hopefully we'll do it again soon. So. I hope so. I've still got the photograph on my uh, wall downstairs in the kitchen. Goaded, goaded. <laughs> it's there. If you ever want to see it, I can just snap it on my phone. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. But uh, what I'll do is thank you again. Please, anyone who's watching this, give Dylan a follow. 
if especially if you're a lover of Jalen Suggs, because that is where the main propaganda is coming from. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Mikey, we're recording this on Saturday, November the 18th. We're next recording next week. Um, we have four games before then. So we've got Indiana coming up. Um, they've been surging. Therese Halliburton looking great again. Offensively, very proficient team. We've got Toronto, and it's the in-season tournament game. We've got Denver, so Aaron Gordon's back in town. And then we've got a really early tip for us. Nice Friday night versus the uh, the Boston Celtics. And we're hoping it's not going to be a Black Friday for us in that case. So four big games coming up. Um, how do you see the week shaking out? Oh, this is a this is a tough week. This is a this is a big week. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna cautiously say two and two. I could see a world where we go three and one again. Yeah. Um, at this point, I've kind of like, I think after big, losing that, getting blown out by Brooklyn has really put us back for in-season tournament progress. Even if we do win these two games against Toronto and Boston, um, they're going to have to do something to make up that margin if they're going to be one of those two wild, is it, is it two wild yeah, cards? It or is, no, it's one, isn't it? I think it's. I want to say there's one wild card from one of it from one conference and one from yeah, the other. Two. I think there's two, one from each. I'm yeah. Sure in the, so, I'm sure in the predictions, the likes of Jokic were going like OKC and Orlando. Yeah, but, but regardless of the playing tournament, the stakes are there. Like that, these are important games for Orlando. Like I, I, I predicted at the beginning of the season, didn't I? I said I think we just finished behind Indiana in the standings. Uh, you look, they're seven and four. We're seven and five. As good as they are def- offensively, they are awful defensively. It's like the complete reverse of the magic. Um, so you'd expect, as good as we are offense, uh, sorry, defensively, we should be able to slow them down a little bit. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, we can get one or two players back for for this one. But then again, is our offense capable of keeping up with theirs? So it's going to be. It's going to be a really interesting game, Indiana, and it might come down to head-to-head at the end of the season. Who gets sixth? Who gets seventh? Mm-hmm. You, you, you don't know. Um, I think it on the road. Um, like you think we're four and three on the road. Like we've got a winning record at home. We've got a winning record away, and I think that's really important. Um, I I think we're going to lose to the Pacers. I just don't think we've got the offense to to stay up with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we'll stay in the game. The defense will keep us in the game. Can we have a night where Cole goes off for 20? Can Paolo have another big night like he did in Utah? Um, it's going to need some big games for a few players to, to stay up with the Pacers. So I'm going to say we lose to the Pacers. Um, we're going to beat the Raptors. They're 5-7. and seven. I think they're better than 5-7, and seven, probably suggests. Um but I think we're good at home. I think we're comfortable at home. So I expect us to beat Toronto. Uh, Denver. Denver's a tough one. We beat we beat Denver last year. Um, they're nine and three. They're two and three on the road. I'm going to say we beat the Denver Nuggets. And I think we're going to lose to the Celtics because 
I'm not saying last season was a fluke that we won three out of four because it wasn't. We we really had their number last year. But again, same as Indiana. Can you keep Tatum quiet? Can you keep Jalen Brown quiet? Can you keep Paul Zingas quiet? Like they are, they are good. They are really good, Boston. Um, maybe this is a game where do we do we see Ji extend his minutes and play a little bit more because. I fancy J.I. against Paul Zingas in this game. Even Goga. Goga's size against Paul Zingas will, will cause a few problems. Mm-hmm. But we know he likes to, to to play out on the perimeter as well. So if if J.I. can play a few more minutes in this and maybe down the stretch, I think the, the Boston game could be, could be close. But yeah, I'm going to go Indiana win. Sorry, Indiana loss. Beat the Raptors. Beat the Nuggets. And lose to the Celtics. What's yours? What are you going with? You could see anything really from you could see anything from three and one to zero oh and four, but I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go one and three. Okay, week. and I think we'll beat Toronto. Um, I think I could see us beating Indiana. I could really see it. It's if you were going off old school wrestling, it's a Gorilla Monsoon's irresistible force versus the immovable object. I could, if Paolo and Franz go off, as in they get that space and they go off, we could give them problems. But I just worry, like you say, will the offensive end beat the defensive end of this? Um, I think Denver might have too much. I just, I just think they might have too much. They're, they're defensively pretty good. Um, Aaron Gordon's going to be employed to try and slow down Paolo or, or Franz. And I could see them filling the paint up and us having to try and live with it, you know. Like, and I just think they're the champions for a reason. And I think Boston are scary this season when you look at what they've got. Um, I would love to be Boston, but I think I think it's a big ask. Um, so I, I'm gonna go one and three, but I would I would be happy with two and two. I would be I would be over the moon with two and two. Um, so sorry if it's a little bit negative, but uh, I think the Raptors game will be interesting because I. I will say Scotty Barnes is having a hell of a season for them, but mm-hmm. they aren't a winning team and we should be looking to beat them at home regardless. You're right. Like this, this week could go anyway. Like those are four games. We are very capable of winning. Yeah. It's what team, we get, what team is going to turn up offensively. Mm-hmm. That's going to give us a chance. But I think, I think it was Philip Rossman Reichel. Might have been somebody else earlier this week. This, or maybe it's a conversation we had with him on on Locked On Magic last week. But games like these Chicago games, like ninety six to ninety four, and like keeping teams to under hundred points, like these are the games where this Magic team are going to thrive in this year. We don't want games where, and that's what worries me about the Indiana game. We don't want games where we're trying to score one twenty one thirty to keep up with a team like that. Because mm-hmm. it's not going to happen. Um, those games are going to be very rare for us. But um, yeah, it, you, you could see, like you said, you could see a week where we go three and one. Could go one and three. You could lose all four. I don't think we're going to lose all four. I think we're too good to do that. Mm-hmm. I think even, like I said, if we can stay afloat and stay at stay at two and two this week and stay around that five hundred mark, I think. We'll be happy, especially whilst we're still waiting for a few players to come back. Two and two, two and two would be good given the level of competition That's, this week. Yeah, 
100%. I would take that. So that will do it for this week, Mikey. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, can you please like give it a subscribe, a like if you really like it, a thumbs up, I think it is. Leave us your comments, your questions. We do try to get back. Follow the podcast, subscribe, um, leave us a review. It really helps the show grow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, X, at underscore Let's Talk Magic. Follow us, like us, retweet us, everything you, everything you can, every little helps. But for me and Mikey, thanks for taking your time to watch and listen. And as always, go magic.